So the question is, why would an MLM top 1% income earner, doing over $1.5 million per year in sales, and has over 4,500 people in their downline, just up and quit the company they're with and start over from scratch with a brand new company? Because that's a huge question, and this podcast will give you the answers. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Hey, thanks for joining in. This is episode two of MLM Secrets Live. So, yes, yeah, so today we're going to be talking about the origin story um, of kind of you know how MLM actually you know kind of came about, and you know exactly why this is you know one of these situations why we should kind of leave the past in the past. All right, and so yes, it, it's pretty widely accepted that MLM originally started back in like the 1920s. Um, with two companies, uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, the names of those companies were uh, California Vitamin Company, and then the second one was the California Perfume Perfume Company, which then became Avon. All right, and so both of these things were originally started back in the 1920s. They really didn't start, you know, hitting big until about the 1940s, um, and then kind of what happened is um, two guys, or you know, the two top distributors for um, Neutralite or the California Vitamin Company, then broke off and made their own MLM in the 1960s, and um, which is now known as Amway. Okay, so um, if we want to kind of break down the origins of MLM and you know kind of why this movement started happening and and breaking down um, the timeline of this, you know specifically speaking of the era of which it started. Okay. And so here's what happened, all right? So back in the 1920s, and what we have to understand about um, where this or where this originated at, and why this originated, okay? So back in the 1920s is what we had is we had we had a bunch of cities. We're talking about um, you know the the birth of mom and pop stores, and you know kind of everybody being confided into the cities, right? And, and working in, in neighborhoods, um, working inside of the city, okay? So is what happened is that you had a bunch of people who said, okay, well now everybody knows everybody. The way that information is distributed through newspaper, it's through radio, it's through word of mouth. Okay, it, it more so than anything, it's from you know friends talking to friends and neighbors talking to neighbors, and so they understood you know the the economics of the way that information gets transferred from one person to the other, and how how strongly uh, it meant for somebody to recommend a product. Okay. And so, and not just like an advertising person or a, a spokesperson or something along those lines. I mean, t having somebody that you actually you know know and trust to recommend a product to you. Okay. So is what they figured out is they said, okay, well, is if we can actually sell products, you know, uh, faster with greater profit margins and like a friend to friend or, you know, family to family manner, then why not actually, you know, create companies that, that do so instead of trying to mass um, distribute through radio and, you know, these other channels. Okay. And so that's the origin of, of MLM, right? And so that that's what started back in the 1920s and then it continued into the 1940s and 1950s and that's when it really started to get popular, right? That's when um, more companies started coming out and it, it really started to grow and, and conceptualize inside of the United States, right? And internationally, but more so in, inside of the United States. And so, but what we have to realize is that as this, as it's starting to grow, as it's starting to become more popular, as it's really starting to conceptualize what's actually happening inside of the United States, right? And it's it's suburbia, right? The, the boom of suburbia, the mass exodus of cities to actually go out and create like mini cities inside of suburbia 
inside of these small, you know, quiet neighborhoods where, you know, housewives sit around and mingle in the, in the front, you know, living room. And that's the, the neighborhood meeting spot. Like that's where they go to gossip. That's what, you know, that's what they're doing. Right. And people are moving outside of the cities to go into suburbia because it's cheaper because, you know, the wives no longer have to work and um, they can stay home and, and take care of the kids. And, um, but then here's the other thing that happened, you know, with that, right. We're not talking about mass transportation era, you know, there's no bus services. And so, when we start actually looking into this and we start saying, okay, well, you know, the suburbia is really starting to boom at this point and, you know, housewives are staying home. But then is what happens is that um, they need, you know, like everybody knows each other inside of these neighborhoods, right? Because there isn't that mass transportation and, you know, the neighborhoods are relatively small, but yet they're spread out. And so everybody knows everybody, everybody's in everybody's business. They know, you know, about your kids. They know, like if somebody gets in trouble, like the entire town knows about it. Okay, and so like that's like that's the culture MLM really started with, all right. And so when we actually talk about home parties and we talk about like holding like living room meetings and you know things of that nature, we have to understand that when these things became a thing, that this was the norm, all right. People unlocked their doors and people walked into other people's houses unannounced without knocking because. It, like that was the norm of every day. Like people wanted people inside of their house to socialize, right? That's not the case anymore though. Things have changed. Things, I mean, like people lock their doors to keep strangers out. Like people coming to your door, you have more people who are uninvited guests coming to your door than you have invited guests, right? People who enter your house, like they're, they're not invited guests anymore. People lock their doors. They want to keep people out. Um, I mean, how many people, like if we actually just, if we sit here and we're honest with ourselves, like how many people would rather answer a text message rather than actually answer the phone or pick up the phone and call somebody? It's a lot, right? I mean, I'm telling you, it's a lot of people. And the reason for all of this is, the, the reason for this mass change is that technology has became so abundant and so widely used in today's you know era that we want to do things on our own time. All right. And so when we have, we don't want people invading our living rooms anymore. Like it's an inconvenience for us having to clean the house and get things ready and do this and do that. It's just not the way that people operate anymore. We want to do things on our own time, on our own convenience. And we don't want to do things that really inconvenience us or cause more work for ourselves and, and all of these things. And so as the technology comes out and it, and it keeps evolutionizing in and itself and it's growing exponentially and we have all of these things that make life easier for us, it doesn't make sense to revert backwards to actually you know, go out of our way to attend something for somebody else. Right. Or to hold a class for somebody else when there's really no purpose in it for us. There's no gain in it for us. We've gone out out of that era. Right. And to where it used to be back in the 1970s, 1960s, 1950s, you know, things of that nature to where people wanted people inside of their living room. Right. Like it was a social status kind of thing. Right. Like you wanted to be the house that had all of the people coming to it. Because it, for some reason, in some way, shape or form, it like upped your social status. Okay. And so if we think about things, um, how do people actually, you know, why, why do people buy things? Why do they actually, you know, do things that they do? And it's because they, they want, you know, uh, they want one of like three things. 
Okay, and if I can remember these three things, it would be kind of a miracle right now. But they, they want to, it all comes down to perception, right? Like, what do they gain out of it? People will do things because it, they think that it, it ups their social status, right? They think that, you know, people are going to think of them as being more wealthy or smarter or, right? Or they do things because they think that they're going to personally gain from them. But very little do we actually do things that we think are going to like harm us on a social level or if people are going to look down upon us for it or you know, anything of, of that nature. So if we, if we look at the psychology of, of you know, the difference between 2018, 2019 to 1960, you know, 70, 50, you know, even going, going into the early 2000s, I mean, having a, a, a living room party to where you actually got to get up in front of your friends and family and present, um, especially new things. If, if you got to, you know, if you actually got to, you know, be called a business owner and doing all of these things, it actually upped your social status, right? And people wanted to go to these things. They wanted to go sit around with 15 of their other neighborhood housewives and be more important than what they were by then sitting on the couch. Okay, but in 2018, 2019, that's just not the that's not the case anymore, right? And so I, I talked about you know last in the last episode, you know the evolution of you know war and how everything you know changes, right? And and if we actually look at you know the way that information passes you know over the decades and things of that nature, I mean if we really look into it, you know you know it all started with like the newspaper. Okay, like everybody ordered a newspaper, paper delivery boys, it was delivered directly to your house, you know, so on and so forth, right? Like that's how people got their news, right? And so then the radio came out and then, you know, um, radio stations, you know, started, you know, broadcasting news and, you know, things of that nature. And then the TV came about. And so, um, and understand this, that as each one of these things come out, the latter becomes less and less important, right? So starting with newspapers and then it moves into radio and then it moves into television. Well, as television became more and more popular and became more of a household item and it started to evolutionize just in and of itself, you know, going from regular television, you know, getting like, you know, seven stations to getting cable television to getting satellite television to then like things like, you know, streaming options such as Netflix or Amazon Prime, they just become incestuous of each other, okay? And if you don't know what the word incestuous means, it just means that like they, they feed on each other, all right? And so radio, took over newspapers and television took over the radio. And then, and then because we didn't have anything else from that time, the television, you know, just kept getting better and better and better and evolutionizing. Right. And so cable television ate the, the local channels. And then there was a time where satellite television then ate, you know, the cable television. And then you have things like Netflix and Amazon, which are just taking over at this point. Okay, and the reason for that is, is it's, it's because in the way that that people are consuming the information, it's more convenient to watch Netflix because you can binge watch things. You can choose, you know, you can pick and choose when that episode starts and when it ends, right? Like we have that power inside of, you know, just uh, our fingers in a remote, okay? Whereas cable television, I'm on their time, right? If I want to watch the Simpsons on cable television, then I have to do so at seven o'clock exactly. And if I'm not there at seven o'clock, then the show goes on without me. Well, nobody wants that, right? <laughs> if they want to watch the Simpsons at 8.32 p.m., if that's what they want to start it at, that's the way that they want to do it. And if you guys think that this does not apply to MLM and home parties and, and all of this, the archaic model of doing things, then you guys are just dead wrong. Right? I mean, there's, I can't, I can't sit there and try and convince you <laughs> that this is for you if you think that it really doesn't apply, right? 
And so I could sit here and I could just keep on giving example after example after example. But I think that at this point, it's kind of beating a dead horse. All right. If we see all of these things around us in the in the entire world, you know, changing and evolutionizing themselves. I mean, guys, God, I mean, for God forbid, look at Airbnb. OK, Airbnb took over the the hotel model. Right. And, and why is Airbnb more convenient and why are more people moving to Airbnb than staying at hotels? Right. Because they don't like the fees that, that hotels charge. They think they're too expensive. They don't like the booking process. They don't like, you know, it, it's all of these things. Okay, so they're moving to a more convenient model of Airbnb, or why? You know, why is uh, why, why did Uber and all of the other you know uh, rideshare companies start taking over the taxis? Right, because it was more convenient. I could get an app on my phone that orders a car that goes directly to me whenever I want. I don't have to walk out onto the street or go into the yellow pages and look up a phone number to try and call somebody to then you know say, hey, like, can you meet me here somewhere else? It's all about convenience. All right, and people want convenience. So how do we actually give convenience inside of the MLM model? That's like that's what this is all about. How do we actually add convenience to the MLM model in the way that it currently is and stop do, stop running things in this archaic manner? Right? How do we actually evolutionize the MLM model? And guys, the answer is real simple. And a lot of you guys have have figured this out on a very small scale, and it's called the internet. Right? We we can do things via the internet. But here's what happens too, right? A lot of people say, okay, well, I can do things on the internet. And so this is what they do is they get on Facebook and they use their Facebook as like this walking billboard for their company, right? And they don't actually provide any kind of value to anybody or anything else. They're just spamming their friends and family <laughs> in a different fashion, or they found a new way to spam their friends and family instead of actually giving people, you know, any, any sense of value. I think that, you know, we have to go a little bit beyond of just spamming our friends and family and getting on our, our uh, direct messages and messaging old high school friends that we haven't talked to in 10 years for the sole purpose of getting them to buy something from us or holding a home party, okay? Because they don't want to do that crap either, all right? So what we actually have to learn is we actually have to get into like a marketer's role. We have to learn marketing, right? Which I know that this is a completely foreign term for a lot of you out there. You know, like marketing, like, yeah, it's the second word in network marketing or it's the third word in multi-level marketing. But the thing about it is, is that our entire industry has just forgotten how to market. So here's what really confuses me about all of this is that we sit here and we, as, as people inside of this industry, we're afraid of the word sales. And everybody says, oh, well, I don't want to be salesy and I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that. But yet at the same time, like that's all you ever do is you, you just get into these, you know, these face-to-face -face selling uh, conversations and situations, but you don't ever do anything to market your actual business. None, none of you have actually taken the time to sit there and, and learn marketing on any kind of deeper level other than spamming people on the internet or, or trying to beg your friends and family to buy your product or join your downline, right? So that, that's kind of what I'm getting at here, right? And so if you guys think that this is not, this isn't going to work for you, if you guys think that, you know, this is unneeded, if you guys think that this doesn't apply to you, I'm just telling you, like, I know there's a lot of people don't want to hear this, but I'm just telling you that you're wrong. So it's kind of like, where, like, where do we go from here? We just, there's no other way around it, right? We, we have to learn marketing. I actually took a poll. Um, so I, I'm in a, I'm in a couple MLM, you know, groups and, you know, just leadership groups and things of that nature. I think one of them has like 9,000 people. The other one's like approaching 6,000 people at this point. And I took a poll inside of there and I said, hey, like, do you guys, do you guys think in the next five years, like MLM is still going to be running this like archaic friends and family model? Or do you guys think that, you know, people are going to move towards more of like an internet marketing, you know, type, type deal? 
And it was like an overwhelming, like 82% of these people said that no doubt about it, internet marketing is, or the internet's gonna take over and technology is going to take over. Okay, so is what I'm trying to tell you guys right now, is what I'm trying to teach you guys right now, is that we have to get a head start on this, right? If you're gonna survive, then you have to have a head start on this. Because I'm already seeing this happen. I mean, again, like I'm talking about the whole idea of this podcast is MLM secrets, right? Insider secrets to the top 1%. Because the top 1%ers have already figured this out. They're already doing their business in this fashion already. Whether they can actually teach it or not is another, a whole nother concept, a whole nother question. Whether they realize what they're doing or not is a whole nother, you know, <laughs> we're not talking about that, okay? What we're actually talking about is what are they doing, not what are they teaching, right? Because what they're teaching is just the regurgitated bullcrap that their upline has given them. Right, and, and this goes back to this theory called primal learning theory, which you guys can look up on your own time, but basically it just states that we are going to continue to teach what was taught to us. Right, we don't actually sit there and figure things out for ourselves or reverse engineering what we're actually doing so that we can then teach it to somebody else. And so that's why they sit, that's why all of these top leaders, they sit there and say, oh, well, you know, the internet just isn't duplicatable or doing things on social media isn't you know, duplicable or you know whatever else you know is is regurgitated bullcrap is coming out of their mouth because that's what was taught to them right is what i'm telling you guys is that because i've spent the last 12 to 18 months studying these people and reverse engineering their businesses i have been able to figure it out and i've implemented it into my own business and it, it works like crazy okay so i'm going to end the episode on that note we're going to go into uh, a little bit more tomorrow or the next episode on you know some of these insider secrets and things like that but i think that you guys really needed to know kind of the origins of mlm and why it's being taught the way that it's that it's being taught and it's it has nothing to do with it actually being you know the most duplicatable model okay because it doesn't it's just what was always taught like people get so romantic about the way things always were that they forget to actually innovate and <laughs> and grow Okay, and so that's what's happening inside of our business, and I, I just think that it was—it's very important that we understand that, and we understand why things are the way that they are in today's um, in today's world, and it's not because it's the most duplicatable. I mean, honestly, guys, think about it. Right? If this were the most duplicatable model, then why would 99% of everybody who joins network marketing fail within the first 12 months of being in there? It's because it's not actually duplicatable. It's just not. You know what, that's what we'll talk about on the next episode, right? Why this actually isn't the most duplicatable model. And I'll, I'll go into, you know, a lot of my coaching sessions and things of that nature. Um, you know, some of the things that I ask, you know, in the downlines and some of the things I ask of the, of the leaders and I'll get into their responses and we'll, we'll go into that, all right? So guys, hey, thanks for hopping on. And as always, guys, if you want to learn a little bit more about exactly what I'm doing, check out the MLM Domination. It'll be in the show notes. And guys, again, thanks for hopping on. All right, bye.